If you'll remain standing with me at this time, um, open your Bibles. Our scripture reading for this morning will be Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Uh, You can follow along in your Bible. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The words will be up on the screen behind me for you. Our scripture reading this morning as we continue on our uh, Matthew series, I want you to know that these words are the words that Jesus speaks to his early followers and that these words continue to be spoken over us to this day. And um, let's listen closely and deeply because this is a profound reality that is before us this morning. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated at this time. I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. Uh, My name is John Wethington, and I'm the lead pastor here at White Oak, and um, I've seen a lot of beautiful new faces this morning, and uh, I'm just so glad that you're here with us. And I pray this morning for all of you here, whether you're new or you're a regular, that this word and my sermon today would be a blessing over your life and would give clarity to your life, because I'm pretty sure you've shown up today needing some form of, of clarity. And we're continuing in our series entitled, Our King and His Kingdom. And the main thrust that we've been kind of hitting over and over again as we walk through the Gospel of Matthew, just looking at different important stories about Jesus and things that happened, um, is Jesus changes everything in our lives. And one of those things that Jesus changes in our life when we begin to follow him and when we begin to realize the amazing reality that his kingdom is literally coming into the world and that we as the church are the movement force that he is using to, to do this, as his kingdom is coming, as the rule and reign of our wonderful God is entering into our broken world, one of the things that changes in our lives is that when we come to Jesus, we find ultimate purpose. You see, the coming kingdom changes not only who we are, But what we do with our life, regardless of the places that life takes us. And so for this reason, I've entitled the sermon this morning, How to Find Your Purpose. And if you're like me, my purpose is one of those questions I always come back to over and over and over and over again. Because everybody wants to find their purpose in life. I've never met someone who said, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in wasting my life. I'm really interested in not really knowing as I go through my days what in the world I'm doing and what in the world I'm here for. 
And I think most people at best in our world and culture find ambiguous purpose at best, meaning some kind of a temporal, in-the-moment kind of purpose that they latch onto and why they're here and why they're doing what they are doing. Most people find a temporal, ambiguous purpose in their life at best, and yet the kingdom brings us ultimate purpose now and for all eternity. But then there's other people, maybe you can relate to this, I can relate to this. Maybe you have found purpose at a season in your life, but then you lost that purpose. Some of us, uh, we were parents for a long season, but then I, I talk to parents a lot of time, the kids grow up and they, they move out and they transition in life. And a lot of parents are like, man, what do we do now? I just had my, my first daughter, she's almost a year old, and it blows my mind that she is almost a year old, which means she's one-eighteenth of the way of going to college. Okay, yes, I'm, I'm fractioned dad. I'm counting down the days, you know. They say there's less than, less than a thousand Saturdays with your kid before they go to college from the time that they are born. Isn't that amazing? Or maybe we had a job. And our job was our purpose, and our job is what we were doing and what we were pouring ourselves into, and yet for whatever reason, we lost that job or experienced a transition in life. Many people often look for purpose in relationships, and, and relationships are, are really good things, but the relationship ends and people say, well, what am I doing with my life now? Maybe you, like several times in my life, you were pursuing a passion or a calling and something you were going for and giving yourself to and you found so much purpose in this thing that you were doing and then for whatever reason that passion or that calling doesn't work out the way you thought it would work out and you're at this place in your life where the question is like, what now? What will I give the rest of my days to? Because here's we can't just live. We, we can't just live and, and, and wonder. Like, it's not in us because God didn't want us to, to be that way. We need a sense of drive, and we, we want to feel like what we're doing and that our drive and our movement in life is playing together with everything that's happening in the world. And what I want to tell you this morning is that if you feel that longing, if you feel that burden... That pain, that aimlessness, that confusion, that hurt, that angst, even that depression in life, wondering what is your purpose, that we can come together this morning. We can gather all of our questions about purpose and we can, we can bring them in a pile and we can offer them to Jesus and we can sit at the feet of Jesus and say, what am I here for? What am I doing? What do you want me to do, God? You see, I think all questions and longings in life are good because they ultimately bring us to Jesus and his kingdom. I used to think when I first became a Christian, the only question we should ever ask is, you know, what must I do to be saved? And that's a good question to ask. And at some point we should all ask that question, like, what must I do to be right with God? And yet I started reading the Bible. And in Matthew, what I keep seeing is like there's people with all types of questions coming to Jesus. And he seems to bring them to his gospel, to his good news and to his kingdom from whatever place they start. He, somebody needs to be healed and he, he leads them to the gospel. Someone, uh, they, they need a, a change in their life. They're in a broken relationship. Things aren't going well. They're, they're hungry and have needs. And whatever our needs are, when we come to Jesus, he brings us to fulfillment in life. And so I think that today, that is why the idea of purpose can bring us to the ultimate meaning of life. And yet before we dive into that, into our main text of Matthew this morning, I have to start in John chapter 1. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 1. 
It is uh, the fourth book in the New Testament, the last third of the Bible. It's not first, second, or third John. That's later in the Bible. It's the Gospel of John. It's the long book that is entitled John. And I just want to read verses 1 through 5 and then verse 9 because I think that this is actually where purpose begins and yet I believe we often overlook it. In John chapter 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and this is in reference to Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him being Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was all life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then in verse 9 it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And in this, we see a, a beautiful image in John 1 of how Jesus comes into the world, how Jesus, our wonderful Savior, the light emerges into the darkness of our broken world that our sin and failure has created. A beautiful image. But, but I mean, listen to what it says. It says, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the reality is, is that the first step in moving towards our purpose in life is we must see clearly. We must understand what reality is about and what it means. The problem for many of us, I think, is that we're trying to find our purpose in life and yet we are walking in the dark. When you are in the dark, when you don't see clearly, when you don't know where everything comes from, when you don't know ultimate reality, right, when you're in the darkness, it's hard to find anything, much less purpose, And yes, when it's dark, you can walk around, and you can still do things, and you can come up with some kind of purpose in your life, and you can do all that, right? But if you're walking in the dark, you run into things, and you can't see clearly, you can't see the big picture. And yet what Scripture clearly says is that when Jesus comes into our life and into our world, all of a sudden the light emerges, and we can see everything. We can see life as it's supposed to be lived, right? We're moving out of the darkness and into the light, and it brings clarity to our Life, And yet the problem we have is we often look for purpose while ignoring the one who created the universe and created our life. Our first step this morning in finding our purpose in this life is that to find your purpose, you must first know the purpose giver. This is the most important thing when it comes to finding your purpose. If you're taking notes, write this down. Whatever you have to do, you must know the one who gives purpose in order to find it. Most people, when I talk to them, they think purpose is like this ambiguous random thing, right? And people say, you got to go out there and find your purpose, you know, or, or you got to look deep inside and find your purpose, which is interesting because, like, it's like you got to look deep inside, but, like, purpose is kind of like an out there kind of thing, you know? And so it's never made much sense to me. And, like, you got to look deep inside. Now, I, I honestly think if purpose was just deep inside you, totally apart from God, I think you would have found it by now, right? Because, you know, it's inside of you, and you can look around and evaluate real quick and say, okay, is there my purpose or whatever? And, and once again, God puts dreams and things in our heart, and yet reality, purpose comes from a person. In your life, purpose comes from a person, If you're looking for purpose, if you want purpose, if you're seeking purpose, you should go to a person. And the Bible says that this person is Jesus. Purpose comes from 
a person. You know, it's funny. I, I, if I were to tell you, and this is like so random, but it's a really, I think, good illustration. If after service you came up and talked to me and, and um, we were having a good conversation and I closed the conversation by saying something like, hey, we do me a favor? You're like, yeah. I'm like, go get me a hot dog, right? First, you'd say that's kind of weird and kind of random. And you're like, where are you going with this, John? Just, just listen to me. Um, go get me a hot dog. Um, if you were a nice friend and if you loved me and trusted me, you would probably do as I ask. The same way I would get you a hot dog if you asked for me to get you a hot dog, you know, randomly. Uh, you'd go get me a hot dog. But let me tell you what you wouldn't do if you went to go get me a hot dog. If I said go get me a hot dog, you would not, like, walk out the front of the church and start looking on the sidewalk to see if there was a hot dog there, Right? Because you're a smart person, and you know that hot dogs don't normally reside on the sidewalk randomly. You wouldn't look in a tree. Hopefully you wouldn't go to the car, because hopefully you don't keep hot dogs just like stashed away in your car. That's weird, right? If I told you to get me a hot dog, the first thing you would do is that you would go to a place that makes hot dogs, right? Why? Because if you go to a place that makes hot dog, a wonderful hot dog establishment, you would find a person there who actually makes hot dogs, and they would be able to make you a hot dog, and you would get it. I like it with mustard and chili, by the way, and cheese. And you would bring it back to me, and you would deliver me a hot dog. And you laugh. But I find it odd that we often look more so for precision in terms of finding a hot dog than we do our purpose in life. You don't randomly find your purpose just like walking around, randomly thinking about like you don't you don't find your purpose that way. You don't find your purpose in a tree, on a sidewalk, in a random conversation. You don't find your purpose in life. And yet most of us we randomly think we're just gonna bump into our purpose somewhere along life. Another example that I, I find uh, helpful is imagine you made a really good new friend. You ever made, like, met someone and you never met them before, but you just like, hit it off and it's like, I've only known you a few days, but we're going to be best friends. You ever met someone like that, right? Really good friend? Imagine you met a really good friend like that and you don't know each other a few days, but they invited you to their birthday because you hit it off really well, right? And you were going to go to their, their birthday party. And upon going to their birthday party and trying to get them a gift, you realize you don't know what to get them. The reason being because you don't know them. And I know it's not easy to give for anybody, right? But the more you know somebody, the more you know what they want. The more you know about them. And it is the same way with God and your purpose. We look for purpose in life and we don't know the purpose giver. Jesus is the light. In John 14, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And all of us have to make a decision in our life as to whether or not we believe that or not. He's either lying or he's telling the truth in that moment. And if he's telling the truth, then you can't ambiguously find your purpose and what you were created to do in this life. You must go to the purpose giver. My question for you this morning is, do you know the purpose giver? Are you close to the purpose giver? Do you talk with the purpose giver daily? The purpose giver has given you his holy and wonderful word that you can read that brings clarity to your life, that gives you truth and hope and encouragement. Do you know the purpose giver? Do you commune with the purpose giver? Because this is the first step towards understanding what your purpose is in life. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me 
and I will abide in you, and you will produce much fruit. That's a promise in your life, a life of fruit, a life of purpose, a good works, that if you abide with Jesus, if you stay close to Jesus, and the problem is we wander away from Jesus and we go past Jesus because we think that we'll find purpose apart from Jesus. We think that somehow we're going to find something apart from him in our life, and he's part of our Sunday morning life, but the rest of my life is my real purpose, but that's not the core of your purpose and your meaning and your fulfillment. Purpose comes from Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. He's your guide. If you are walking with him closely, intimately, and personally, you will know your purpose in life. I don't know about you, but I've probably spent like half of my life uh, searching for my keys. Um, (laughs) It's just my life, you know, half my life searching for my keys. And when I got married... um, Halsey, you know, we didn't disclose all of our issues to each other um, like we should have in our, in our premarital counseling. And uh, she didn't know that I have a hard time with my keys and keeping track of them. And so when we first got married, literally the first two or three years of our marriage were rough because I was always stressed out because I was always looking for my keys. You know, you come into your house and you're, you're whatever, you're looking for it and you're kind of tracing your steps and everything, you know, and it's just horrible, you know. And a few years in our, our marriage house, he was like, John, I, I love you, and so I, I want to bear this with you, and I want to help you, and so I've got this really cool idea. I said, well, what is it? You know, I'm open to anything. I'm desperate, you know. And she said, I've got this really good idea. It's called the key bucket, okay? I said, what's the key bucket? She's like, here's the key bucket. She's like, it's this really cool thing. I, I read about it on the internet, right? Um, supposedly what you do is you walk into the house, and um, I'd never heard of this before. I didn't grow up this way. You walk into the house, and we have, like, we walk, like, right into, like, our TV stand, and there's, like, this bucket, you know? And she's like, here's what you do, John. So I'm going to put the bucket right there. And when you walk in, because you just open the keys with your hand, and so the keys are in your hand, you just, like, open the door, and then you just take the hand, and you put it in the bucket, you know? And then this really cool magical thing happens where whenever you go to leave and you're in a hurry um, and you're looking for your keys last minute, um, you just go to this key bucket right by the door and you stick your hand in the key bucket and magically your keys will appear and they will be there. And I was thinking, oh, all of the life that I wasted stressing out looking for my keys, all of the wasted life, tracing my steps, searching through the laundry Pant pockets, you've been in the paint, like, oh, look at my pant pockets, you know. The devil is your jacket pockets, right? Because your keys get put in the jacket pockets, and it's Houston, you don't wear your jacket very often, so you put the jacket pocket or the jacket in the, the closet down the hallway, and so you don't think to check there, but it ends up your keys are in there. All the years searching under the couch, blaming my wife for moving them, even though she didn't. Texting my friends, have you seen my keys? Because I can't find my keys. And my testimony this morning is that I have literally not lost my keys in two years. Give it up for me, right? Two years. And the point is this. If you know where your purpose comes from, you will always be able to find it. And yet many of us in this life, we spend unnecessary stress looking under the couch, checking the pant pockets of our lives, seeing if something meaning and fulfilling will be in there. We we search around wondering, what, what am I supposed to be doing? What's the core of everything? 
It's a question that everybody asks, and yet we have this amazing verse in James 1.5 where James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. We see the reality that if we come to Jesus, if we know where our purpose resides, we will always be able to find it. And my question is, do you know the one who created the universe? Are you close to him? We have the literal word of God in our hands. Nowadays, we have the word of God on our phones. I mean, do, do you get with the purpose giver and, and do you beg him to show you what to do that day? Do you beg, like, like what do I do? God, show me what to do. Show me what today is about. Show me who I can love. Who, show me what, like, like, do you have those conversations with God? You see, the command Jesus gives to his followers was so simple. It's two words that forever change their life. He just said this, follow me. I love that. He just says, follow me, and I will show you life. But I have one more main thing to offer you this morning in our text. Turn with me to Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. As we begin to get to know the purpose giver, as we begin to commune and build a relationship with the one who will tell us what to do, he will show us how to find fulfillment and satisfaction, he will begin to speak these words over your life. This is the word of Jesus to his followers. He tells them, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, and nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So I've already told you this morning that unfortunately, if you've come here today and you want me to tell you your exact, specific, detailed, precise purpose, that I can't give you that. And the reason I can't give you that is because I'm not your God. Jesus is your God. If we want those things, if we want those details, we must get to know the purpose giver And yet, while there are some details and specific callings that we're called to in life, all of us, and here's the the wonderful part, we have this wonderful umbrella that hangs over all of our detailed callings and purposes in life. Like, there are a few things that if we can stick close to these things and these ideas, we will always be in the right place. We will never wander from our purpose. We will never wander from fulfillment. If we can stick here and camp out here, we will find the purpose that we're looking for. And it's this idea that your purpose, as Jesus says, is to be the light that you can be to the world that you are in. Your purpose is to be the light that you can be to the world that you are in. And I promise you this this morning, church. This is more than enough for you if you're searching. If you're searching for purpose this morning, if you're searching for fulfillment... If people have always said things like, you know, go glorify God, and you hear that phrase, and you're not quite sure what that means or, or how you do that or what that looks like or the practical implication in your life, like, like here is the reality, right? Our purpose is ultimately to glorify God, but the actual purpose that we often look for comes in loving God and loving people. And Jesus says it this way, you are the salt of the earth. 
You are the light of the world. You see, in Jesus' day, salt was valuable, right? It was even more valuable than it is today. Salt is still very valuable. Um, you know, if you're like me, not the greatest cook, salt's very valuable. Um, but back in Jesus' day, salt had several different purposes, right? And so salt was a preservative because, believe it or not, they didn't have refrigerators back in Jesus' day. They didn't even have electricity, right? So salt would keep food fresher for longer. Salt was also, like we use it today, was a spice, right? And so they ate a lot of the same food over and over again, right? Uh, they didn't live, you know, literally like 0. .06 miles from a Whataburger like I do, you know, so I could literally throw a rock and hit a Whataburger from a house. Um, they didn't have Kroger, so there wasn't like a bunch of abundance of different items. They ate a lot of the food over and over again. It probably wasn't as delicious and prepared as our food is today, so salt would give food flavor, right? But all you need to know about this is that salt was valuable. And yet what Jesus says is that you're the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything. And so this is where we begin to see the purpose question come up. He's like, the purpose of salt is to be salty. It's to preserve. It's to, to, it's to spice up your food. Like salt has a purpose. And if salt loses that purpose, what good is it? He says it might as well just be thrown out. And you might think, well, that kind of sounds harsh, John. I mean, like, just throw it out, you know, be trampled. But, I mean, do you keep salt lying around your house if it's not valuable? If salt lost its purpose, what would you do it? Do with it? You'd throw it away in the trash can. You'd get rid of it. Because it has a purpose. And it's valuable. And Jesus says the same thing for our lives. That we're not just here existing, but that we have a profound purpose in this life. And that purpose is ultimately to be the light of the world. And you look at this political climate that we live in. You look at the hate and the, the protests and the riots coming from, you know, whichever political party you prefer. I mean, the frustration and the angst and the struggles that people have and the hopelessness that many people face. Jesus says that we are the light. Our purpose is to know and to glorify God, but being light is the actual practical outworking of this. I wanted to share with you a really cool example of this. Um, as you know, the past few weeks we've been collecting items for, for the homeless in our church, and uh, I want to say thank you to all of you because um, we collected donations, and uh, James will tell you, we, we got like probably over twice what we could hand out, and so we actually weren't even able to hand out all the stuff you gave us. And so if you want a bag for the homeless, we've got you. We've got a lot of them you can put in your car and take with you, right? Uh, see me after the service. Um, but our youth actually went out and uh, handed out the stuff, and so it's this beautiful image, right? We're just trying as a church to take practical steps, you know? We're not going to end homelessness ourselves, but we actually want to make a difference because everyone says they want to love people and love homeless, but we often don't get around to actually ever doing it, right? And so we, we gathered some items, and we sent our youth out, and I want to share with you this, like, amazing picture. It should be up here. Uh, this is a picture of two of our, our youth and students, Jacob and Alejandra. Um, you guys are famous now. Good job. On the big screen, big time, you know. Um, praying with a homeless man. And uh, I saw this picture. It was posted on our, our social media sites for the church. And I remember the second I saw it thinking to myself, you know, God has done a lot of things in this wonderful season of our church and will continue to do things. But I promise you, no matter what happens, like this will be one of those pictures that we will look back and just say, man, we, we were going the right 
direction. We were, we, we, were, we were making this practical and we were living this out. But then I was kind of thinking some more about this picture. And um, I don't have like the, like the official study to prove this or anything, but go with me. I think you'll probably know that, it, that it's true. Um, I was looking at this picture and I was thinking that I promise you the second picture was taken, like the, the instant that picture was like flashed, whoever took the picture, right? The moment that picture was taken, I promise you, there were four million people arguing on Facebook about stupid things in life that really don't matter and not changing opinions about things the way we think we often do by venting and arguing on the internet. You see, we are called to be the light to the world that we are in and the ways that we can actually be. This is our purpose. And these are the things that we should be doing. You see, God is loving and he's patient and he's forgiving and he gives us direction and purpose in life. And we begin to reflect this to the world by saying we have been so deeply loved by Jesus on the cross, dying for our sins, rising again, giving us new life just in following and belief. Like we have a whole new life and we're being transformed and we, we have our eternity is, is secure. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm trusting. I have this amazing hope in my life. And what can I do today at my place of work with my kids to help them see this love that is in my life. And there are various ways that we live out this purpose practically in parenting, marriage, job, family, hobbies, being involved in a ministry, helping those in need, leading a community group, serving in the church. There's a lot of ways we can do this. But, but here's just a really practical thing for me. Don't drown in the details Drown in the Spirit of God. I talk to people all the time, and they, they come into my office, and one of the questions I so often get is like, what is my purpose? What does God want me to do? What should I be doing? What should I be focusing on? And what happens is, as we begin to talk and have this conversation, what I, what I realize ultimately is that they don't really want to kind of hear be the light of the world and know the purpose giver. What, what they want you to tell them is like, do this exact job at this exact place, this exact time, and hang out with these exact people. And, and the people that I see who drown in those details often get paralyzed and they lose the ability to actually be a light in the world. If you wake up tomorrow morning and you put your feet on your floor and you stand up, If you do two things, you say, I want to know you, God, today. And I want to love you. And I want to love the people in my life, wherever you take me. You will be walking in the will of God and his fulfilling purpose for your life. Don't overcomplicate it. Well, let's look at one more verse. Matthew 5, 16, our last verse for today. This is important too. Jesus says, in the same way... Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And here's another reality for our life. Your purpose should be public. Our purpose should be public. Not like in an arrogant way. Not like look at me, you know, like feeding the homeless and doing a selfie, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not what I mean, right? Like, I mean... There, there are good ways in which it is good to share kind of what you're doing and what we're doing, right? But, 
Um, it's not like, you know, me doing a favor for Halsey and be like, hey, I did this for you today and I'm making it public, okay? Like that, that, that's not what I'm saying. But we are to live lives of light and love, reflecting the gospel of Jesus in public, tangible ways, Jesus said, that they would see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. I wish I would have learned this earlier. One of my biggest regrets for the first part of my life was I spent way too much time trying to conform to the people around me and be like everybody else and fit in and try to get the approval of people that I could never seem to get the approval of. I wasted so much of my life trying to to look right in front of these people and, and try to get them to like me when in reality God's calling on my life was I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be the image of Jesus. And even if I live in a place or go to a school or work at a job where a lot of people don't love Jesus, that's why I'm ultimately there, to be that witness for those people. And one of my biggest regrets in school growing up was I I don't think I did a great job at that. I think people would have known that I was a, a follower of Jesus, but I just didn't feel like looking back at it, I was just so busy trying to fit in when the whole time Jesus was calling me to stand out. Be okay with being different, right? We say, like, normal's not good. Broke financially is normal in our culture, right? Normal is not very happy. In our, like, like, we spend so much time trying to be normal, right? But, but don't be normal. Be different. Love God, serve people, and be really happy. That's our calling. And that's the life that we should be displaying publicly. I read an article um, a couple years ago. And uh, I, I came across this title, and like, it's like, how can you not click on this, right? It was, Why There Are No Atheists at the Grand Canyon. It was a Time Magazine article entitled, Why There Are No Atheists at the Grand Canyon. And it was a psychology study done by USC. And what they came to find scientifically was that all leads to God. Like when we see things that kind of make us go, Wow, that's amazing that our hearts are, are drawn to look for God. And so what they did, it's a pretty cool study, they would, um, they would take people to the Grand Canyon, and then in another part of the survey, they would show them really beautiful footage, and they tested how likely they were to desire to pursue God and to believe that God was, was real based upon the things that they were seeing. And what they found and what they proved was that the more you're seeing things that make you go, wow, the more that you see immensely beautiful sights that we are scientifically wired to look for God. And so what they found was that ultimately what people experience impacts their openness to God. And the reason why this is important is because I think what we often think is that we come to the, the conclusion of the things that we believe in this life based upon what we think about in our head. We think that we, we sit in a room and we evaluate realities and truths and then we come to opinions on things. And yet what the study sought to prove was that in reality we don't just sit around and think about things, that we are holistic human beings, meaning that what we experience in this life changes what we believe, changes what we think, and that we inherently know that what we experience should impact the things that we believe. I'll read a quote from the article. It said, The laws of nature do not seem to be what satisfies the sense of uncertainty that all elicits. The researcher says, If I throw ten people at the Grand Canyon... 
and ask how many come away with a secular answer and how many come away with spiritual, it's definitely more spiritual. He said, like it or not, awe and wonder trump empiricism or logic. And this is my favorite quote of the article. He says, awe makes people want to see events as a result of design. Let me say that again. Awe makes people want to see events as a result of a design. That is amazing. Because what that says is that we are wired as humans, that when we see something beautiful and amazing, we want it to be God. We want there to be a design. We don't want it to be random. We, we don't want it ultimately to just be a random process of evolution. We don't want that deep down. We want there to be a design. We want there to be motion that is intentional behind it. We ultimately want to believe that God is behind the things of the universe. And then I go to Matthew five sixteen, where he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we draw to a close this morning, your purpose is to live a distinctly beautiful life. This is why sin is often so destructive to our life because it detracts from what God designed us to do. And the way that he designed us to live and find the fulfillment that we seek. And yet as we close, let me leave you with one profound thought. That ultimately we can live out our purpose because Jesus died for a purpose and you were that purpose. When we look at the cross, we should see something intentional. When we look at the cross, we should see something of meaning. When Jesus came to the world, he came for a purpose to bring light into our dark lives. And on the cross, Jesus was loving you and forgiving you so he could redeem you so that you wouldn't have to live apart from what he ultimately created you to do, which was to walk with him for all eternity, to know him for all eternity, to walk in his beautiful world with his beautiful purposes and his beautiful plans full of so much wonder and beauty and meaning in the world that he created you to live in. That Jesus ultimately died for a purpose, and that purpose was you and me. You see, we believe that Jesus gave his life for us, and so in return, we happily give our life for him. You see, we are not perfect, we make mistakes every single day, and yet on the cross, in the gospel, Jesus takes our sin. He gives us his righteousness, gives us a new life, 
and a new purpose. And if we will remain close to him in our life, the purpose giver, we will live lives of amazing meaning and purpose. Church, may we not wander in our lives. May we live lives of purpose. Let's pray. Father, we know that you have a plan for our lives. And Lord, so often we miss that. And yet, Lord, I know that you are faithful to to bring us back in this place. Oh God, would you remind us the amazing calling that you've set on our lives to go into all the world and make disciples, to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. God, may we not look at the darkness and despair. May we look at it and say, that's why we're here. That's our purpose. That's our calling. God, would you show myself and my friends here today what you want us to do. God, show us and we will follow. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.